Spirit Radio Podcasts. We recently did an interview with Dr. Peter Saunders from the Christian Medical Fellowship. And what he was talking about in that interview, if you missed it, was the treatment in the UK of children with gender identity issues. And he was really talking about the concerns that many doctors have about new approaches and treatment of these children, which are being hailed by some as best practice but which he says is very risky. And it was very troubling for me as a parent to hear just the, even after having these treatments, the, the high risk of suicide and that amongst young people. But it's not just doctors who are concerned about this particular narrative. There's a group of parents who are challenging some of the discussion in the UK, which is looking at diagnosing children with gender identity issues as transgender at young ages. And they're also concerned about legislation which places transgender rights above the right Uh, for girls and young women to be safe in places like public bathrooms and changing rooms. On the line to tell us a little bit more, we have Stephanie Davy Arai, Director of Transgender Trends. Stephanie, thanks for joining us on Spirit Radio. Morning. Well, Stephanie, just first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and Transgender Trend. Why did you start this group? Um, I work with parents. Um, I'm a parenting consultant, so I I wrote a a weekly parenting blog and um, I run communication skills courses for parents. I also work with teachers. Um, And I first wrote a blog about transgender, um, oh, it's probably about four years ago now, because I was seeing a lot of news stories which were um, all cheerleading, child transition, brave children finding their authentic selves and... Um, and I was very concerned that there was nothing in the media that was challenging this. So I wrote a piece and then I got a lot of uh, private messages from parents. I was inundated with grateful messages from parents saying, thank goodness somebody is writing about this because we're really concerned. And some of those parents had teenagers themselves who were suddenly identifying as transgender and they couldn't find any information anywhere other than you must support your child and you know your girl is now your daughter is now your son um so that's why i set up transgender trend initially because i thought parents deserve to know all the information before making decisions about their children which will have massive irreversible lifelong consequences. Stephanie interesting that you said after you wrote this first blog piece that parents got in touch with you privately uh, did you get a lot of public kind of backlash and and trolling online or what was the reaction? I lost a lot of friends Mm. I lost a whole friendship group it was really interesting I mean it was awful and and I absolutely understand why people don't speak out because it's presented so much as a human rights issue a social justice issue that you know, live and let live, why we must support children, we must listen to children and support them. Um, And I agree with that, absolutely. Of course, we must listen to children and support them. Um, So I was seen by some people who knew me very well, but suddenly they thought, oh, she's a bigot, we didn't realise. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's upsetting. But I also gained a lot of people who had secretly been thinking the same thing but dared not speak out because of that same fear that they would be branded bigots. What's happening in the UK at the moment just in terms of the direction uh, of the treatment of children with gender identity issues? It's very concerning that in the UK 
uh, transgender lobby groups have really been dictating policy and in government, in health care, in education, you see the training is done by transgender organisations who have no um, qualifications, no professional qualifications in childcare, child psychology development um, or or research into uh, gender dysphoria or clinical experience with gender dysphoric kids. Um, they are either trans people themselves or they are parents of children who are transgender. So they're parents who have they've almost sort of become activists because they have um, transitioned their own children or agreed to or, you know, agreed with that medical process for their own children. And is there broad support, Stephanie, in the UK for things that I think a lot of parents, maybe as you've experienced, may, might quietly be nervous about? Discussions on things like uh, puberty blockers at such a, a young age. But is there support for that? Or have you reached a point where people are standing back and saying, well, hang on, uh, maybe we need to stand back and look at the evidence, uh, whether this is actually a good or bad thing? There is there is more and more um, challenge. There was a report out recently that, which showed that we, and we know this anyway, that, we, that there are no long-term research, uh, clinical or medical research trials on the use of puberty blockers um, at the start from the start of puberty, which could be age ten, uh, and cross-sex hormones. We know that the combination of the two will produce sterility. Um, we know that there are effects of cross-sex hormones that are irreversible. We don't know the effects of puberty blockers on the developing teenage brain. That's a massive area, but there are there are studies that show a drop in IQ points. There are studies, because this is a drug that's used for prostate cancer, late-stage prostate cancer, and studies on uh, on men who've been taking these drugs show some worrying mental health effects um, but we don't know because we haven't done it before this is an experiment in in giving our children these very very powerful drugs which completely block their, their natural puberty um, and what, what what so there are people who are questioning it we are seeing um, reports so from the, the Tavistock clinic in London um, is is quite cautious. They do produce reports where they produced one recently um, where they uh, question why, for example, there are so many teenage girls suddenly identifying as transgender and whether that's because male status is, is coveted and, and, and is, is a higher status than female. Or So that at the Tavistock, they are quite thoughtful and they're quite questioning, but they're very, very pressured by um, transgender lobby groups to give medications um, to medically transition children and at earlier and earlier ages. And that's a, I think that's a global situation, actually. You're seeing the same in, in the United States, in Canada and Australia, um, Scandinavian countries. Uh, and I find it, it's very, very worrying when you get um, legislation involved and human rights involved in what, for children, it has been considered to be a medical condition, which is gender dysphoria. 
In terms of other evidence that's out there, Stephanie, and look, I mean, you, you touched on it when we were chatting earlier. Any parents who, who have children, all we want for our children is for them to be healthy and for them to be happy. Is there yeah. evidence to show that going down this route of, um, as you said, some people said to you kind of celebrating children being their, their true self. Does this actually do that? Does it help children to be healthier and happier? It's a really um, complicated area. So, for example, what we're... I mean, parents want their children to be happy, but parents also weigh up, don't we? Um, uh, Short-term happiness and long-term happiness. So there are some times when we say no, because we know long-term that's not going to be good. So we don't, you know, we're giving children sweets or crisps, for example, would make them instantly happy. But we say no, because we know for long-term health, it's not going to make ultimately make them happy. So it's a balance for parents. And in this area... um, it's, it, it, you know, you've got a little boy who's insistently saying, I'm a girl. Do you, as a parent, say, yes, you are a girl? To me, that seems a very um, extreme reaction from a parent because that little boy has no idea that actually it's impossible for him to grow up and become an adult woman. He, he, has, he believes that the doctors can make him into a girl, which they can't. And so you're dealing with, um, of course, immature children who can't understand the actual reality of growing up and being a transsexual adult and the lifetime of medication that would that would involve and the quality of life you are likely to have. Um, the other aspect, there are high rates, uh, certainly amongst adolescent um, uh, kids who identify as transgender, there are high rates of coexisting mental health psychological health problems so self-harming depression anxiety um body hatred uh suicidal ideation um there's also really an alarmingly high rate of autism spectrum children 35 percent at the referrals to the tavistock or autism spectrum children there's also children who've suffered previous trauma or sexual abuse and so you can see that there are lots of reasons for a child to to, say for a girl to say I'm a boy as a coping mechanism for abuse she suffered for example if you're making legislation which says any girl who says she's a boy is a boy or vice versa uh, you're you're shortcutting your that uh, process of medical exploration as to why that child is identifying as the opposite sex as as Dr Saunders put it to us Stephanie uh, there's two ways of, of approaching it traditionally until this ideology kind of really came to the fore it was uh, trying to connect the mind back up with the body and now we've kind of flipped that on its head where we're trying to change the body to fit the mind um, and interestingly I, I read on your website I think it was about the reality that for most children who have these feelings they, they do grow out of wanting to change sex Yes, I think there's two groups here. There's pre-puberty, those children, um, it's around 80%, and this is looking at all the studies done from children who were referred to gender clinics. Okay. And um, those children we know, and it's acknowledged by everybody, the the WPATH, the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, acknowledges this, that 
the outcomes for most of these little children will be that they will grow out of it and that they that a large percentage will be gay or lesbian as adults not trans i see this as a form of this legislation to say it's a child of any age uh, can be legally recognised as the opposite sex. I, th I think that's a form of gay conversion therapy because we know this. We know most of those little kids will end up being gay or lesbian. Um, the other group is the group that suddenly identifies as transgender at, pu at, pu at the start of puberty or adolescence, early, early puberty age, 13, 14, 15, um, in the UK, that, that, that group, 75, almost 75% are girls, and it's been termed rapid-onset gender dysphoria. And these girls tend to have a host of coexisting mental health problems, which are unfortunately typical for teenage girls who uh, you know, generally suffer a bit more at puberty than boys do. I think adolescence, puberty is a really tricky, you know, hard time. Mm. Uh, for everybody, I don't know many people that escape it lightly, but that, for girls, um, and particularly in the, in the really sort of sexualized, pornified culture that that they're growing up in now. Um, what about just? I wanted to touch on Stephanie before before we finish up. Um, there's a whole other element to this discussion, and that's the conflict between the demands of trans lobby groups uh, and the demands that they're making but also the rights of another vulnerable group that's women and girls mm. in terms of uh, right to safe spaces for example have people really thought the implications of this issue through well no first of all it changes the definition of the word woman you know woman means um, adult human female and now we're saying somebody of the male sex is also a woman and if we say that then we are um, erasing the distinction between the sexes completely. So any man can say he's a woman and go into women's toilets, changing rooms, any, any area, refuges, uh, prisons, any area wh where a woman is vulnerable. And we're, what we're seeing in the UK is that there's a high p percentage of um, sex offenders in prison suddenly declaring themselves to be women. One of the most notorious is Ian Huntley, the you know, who murdered two 10-year-old girls. He is now declaring himself to be a woman. These sex offenders are being moved to the female prison estate. And what, but the other danger is, of course, that when they are released, they will be going into women's toilets, women's changing rooms. Um, our teenage daughters can't, we, we, we can't um, uh, uh, know that our teenage daughters will be safe when they're changing clothes in top shopping you know, or any high streets store or using public toilets uh, of course it puts women and girls at risk it's not scaremongering to say that of course it does uh, facilities like that are segregated on the basis of sex not on the p basis of people's identities and they're segregated on the basis of sex for a reason which is the privacy and dignity of both sexes but also crucially the safety of women and girls. Finally, just to ask you, Stephanie, just for parents who are listening and 
Um, maybe they have been interested to hear what you had to say, but also can understand uh, what you touched on earlier on in the interview is, is people's fear of actually, it's not even speaking out on the issue, it's just talking about it in public and just asking questions. Um, mm. It's not even taking opinion one side or the other. I think here in Ireland, people are merely just afraid to sit back and ask questions for fear they'll be, be called bigoted or transphobic. What's your advice to those parents? Yeah, we have a, you know, if you look on Twitter, there's the, the, the mantra is trans women are women, hashtag no debate. So, yeah, the debate itself is seen as transphobic. I would advise people to talk to each other at the school gates, in friendship groups, introduce the subject carefully. Um, but I think you'll find that an awful lot of people feel the same as you do, that they are worried, they're concerned, they don't want to be seen as bigoted. It is not bigoted to question this. It's not bigoted. In a democracy, we should be able to discuss conflicting rights. And um, the more people who speak out, the, the you, it sort of gives permission to more people it takes courage though because i know you know from personal experience that you are vilified for it but you also um give other people permission to do the same and you're exercising your right as a, as a citizen to discuss and debate um conflict in rights and legislation which will affect you it's your democratic right to discuss these issues. Well, Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us on the programme today. And uh, if people want to find out more, you can go to the website, transgendertrend.com. That was Stephanie davis right She's the director of Transgender Trend. And as I said, the website is transgendertrend.com. Yes, very interesting way of just putting it about when uh, different issues have conflicting rights, it does warrant that we have an open and respectful discussion. And the only way that can happen is if more people actually do that discuss it in an open and respectful way and ask questions especially when it concerns the well-being of one large group of people women and children thanks for listening to our spirit radio podcast don't miss out subscribe today find out how at spiritradio.ie